0: It's great to see you. Uh, Good to welcome you, especially those who are online with us as well. And um, this is a bit strange to be here when uh, we're usually down there and we're with you. But you can see me, I can see you. And before we go any further, can we just pray together? And I'm going to ask you to do something. I know some of you've got your pads and you're all settled, but you just take a moment just to stand in the presence of the Lord. So often when I've been at home. People have come and and, uh, I've just continued being in. I don't know, sometimes I've sat down, sometimes I've been kneeling. But right now, I'd encourage you just to stand in the presence of God. Ask God where you are, that he would speak to you through the word, just as maybe I pray. And Father, we want to thank you for another new day when we can gather and press into your presence. I want to thank you for your peace and your grace and your strength that you give to each and every one that is listening today. I thank you for your love and the plans that you have for our lives. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and speak and stir and strengthen and encourage each and every one, and that Jesus, your name, might be honoured and glorified. Speak to us, we pray. Amen. Amen. We had an amen in the room. We hope we get an amen there. Please take your seats and... um, I don't know what strategies you've been using to get through uh, this latest lockdown as we start emerging from it. But um, if it's been tough, remember some top tips. Remember this. Get some exercise. Eat well, sleep well. Don't do too much of the screen time. Uh, certainly don't be looking at all of the bad news, but be praying about it when you do hear it. And uh, Of course, get into God's word, find time to worship, find time to speak in tongues, pray, talk to the Lord. And maybe we could do this, maybe we could frown a little less and smile a little more. Um, When uh, you'll see that there's parables of the kingdom, Um, we're going to try technology, whether it works or not, I don't know. But this brought a smile to my face. It was a, uh, as I was preparing this weekend. It was a great sign. Uh, directions to the toilets, and it made me smile because it said, "Men to the left because win- work power. Men to the left because women are always right." <laughs> I, 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 I liked it. <laughs> and of course, closer to home, um, there was the one. And I apologise, but I've seen it a few times, and it, you'll understand why it makes me smile. That over in Skelmersdale there's a church where somebody next to the church. There was a wall, and there had been some Christian gra- graffiti. I- I'm not sure that you can really do Christian graffiti, but, but it was there anyway. And uh, somebody had written, Jesus, no name is higher. And, uh, but then somebody had obviously climbed on the roof, and they'd written the name Dave above Jesus. <laughs> The funny thing is, is that those of you that know, we've got a history with this church where we were inputting and giving them some encouragement. So I'd like to think that somebody thought I'd snuck there one night, climbed upon the roof. Actually, I wouldn't need to climb upon the roof, would I? I could just do... <laughs> it probably was me, actually. I don't know. Well, this, uh, it's good to smile. Uh, it's good to laugh. Find things that make you do that. It's good for your body, soul, and spirit, and, um, but we need to get reading, don't we? <laughs> we need to get into our parable. Uh, I also want to share a couple of things before, we're going to read our our parable today. But I need to share with you in particular about, it's going to be about the wheat and the tares, which is a bit of an unusual name. But um, I'm going to share about this, that in Matthew, you find that Matthew uses this phrase, the kingdom of heaven is like and it could be a man who sows, it could be a mustard seed, it could be a treasure, it could be a net. We'll hear about those in the coming weeks. But when we read that phrase, we need to understand that in Scripture, it is interchangeable. It is interchangeable, the kingdom of heaven could just be... Uh, it, it's. whoops, sorry, let me get rid of that. The kingdom of heaven is interchangeable with the kingdom of God. They're synonymous, and, and when you read it, you need to understand that kingdom... Jeff alluded to it before, spoke about it last week. We're trying to nearly push this home as we we look at these two parables in particular. That it's about his reign, his rule. It's about his sovereign governance. It's about his lordship, God's kingly rule. So the, the kingdom, actually, is all of those things. But then I read a a, a long time ago, over 20 years ago, by George Eldon Ladd, a a book, and he summed it up for a Dave who was not a theologian, wasn't great with books, and he just said, it's this, it's God's rule in action. The kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, when you hear those phrases, you think about it's God's rule in action. God's rule in action. Do you think we could say that in the room? Ready? One, two, three. It's God's rule in action. Okay? Maybe we can say it a little bit louder. The, the guys can't hear Say it at home, okay? It's what? It's God's rule in action. There's a, there's a rule, isn't there, that when you meet somebody, if you know their name or if you learn a new fact, if you say that thing three times very closely together, do you know your brain has more chance of holding on to it? So we're just going to do it one more time. That when you hear in this story today or any other time the phrase the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, what we need to know it is about... Ready? Have we got it? God's rule in action. Fantastico. Okay. But of course, we can't confuse the king role with what we experience in the natural. Kings and queens are, are just often sovereign monarchs. They, you know, whether you like or loathe the monarchy, we hope that we're praying for the queen in a time of loss. She's an incredible servant of the state for all her lifetime. And and yet she is just a figurehead in a, in a In a monarchy which has no rule and no government. Psalm Uh, 103 and verse 19 says these words, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Jeff nearly started to preach earlier on when he said his rule is over everything, his reign is over everything. His law takes precedent over every single law. Even when the world contradicts it, his law is supreme and we are part of the people who say we're under his government. I'm going to be reading today from the New International Version, and it's uh, Matthew 13, starting at verse 24. For what is commonly known in many Bibles, you'll find it titled as the parable of the weeds, or sometimes it is that phrase which you saw earlier on, the wheat and tares. Just so that it gives you a picture, so that you understand it a little bit better, um, tares, it's it's linked with wheat in terms of where it's actual root is from and here's a picture of what they think it is in the Bible it's Darnell and Darnell is a, a the tare that we read about the weed that we read about it's difficult to distinguish early on you can see that the, there's wheat on one side the tare on the other and you can understand that as that's growing it's difficult to see but in our story we're going to see that there's a time at the end time when there's going to be a separation of these and when it is matured This is what it looks like. And you can see that the tares are very obvious as opposed to the ripened wheat. Maybe that will help us just have a picture of what's taking place as we go to Matthew and chapter 13 and starting reading at verse 24. Let's read the parable, the story of the kingdom that Jesus told. Jesus told them, it says, another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed seeds among the wheat and then went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you're pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at that time, I will tell the harvesters, first, collect the weeds, tie them in bundles to be burned, and then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. From verse 36 in the same chapter. Then he, that's Jesus, left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. That's Jesus name for Jesus the field is the world not the church as some people try to portray this parable is talking about Jesus was very clear the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom are there any people of the kingdom in the room this morning that's us okay that was them and that's us the weeds are the people of the evil one the unbelievers those who don't receive Christ and the enemy who sows them is the devil the harvest is the end of the age and the harvesters are angels let them hear. But we've got ears, and we're going to hear a few things that I've got. Primarily, it's three things that I want to share. Uh, Sorry about that, but um, God's plans and purposes. I'm going to share a little bit about that. I'm going to share that God's desire is to see people encounter new life and not the end of the story being an experience of hell. And God's plan that we might be a people who shine like the sun. Jeff and I were given parables to start off with that were very similar. And uh, it was great because not only did we get a story, we got Jesus telling the disciples and telling us what it exactly meant. In summary for me, mine is this. We have one field. We have two sowers. One sows good seed, one sows bad seed. And ultimately, what happens? The good seed wins through and the bad seed is harvested thrown away, and destroyed. I was once told by my RE teacher, I had an RE teacher, a man called Gordon Croft, a real man of God, I'm so grateful in my first year of Christian life that um, I was taking his subject and he said to me, Dave, a a parable is, uh, as he gave me a polo mint, he always gave me a polo mint, remember that, Sue, he'd give polo mints every class, he said, it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, Dave. And uh, here we have a story that illustrates with one broad brushstroke in a few verses that the story of the world, humanity, judgment, and redemption, all in one story. We, his good seed, the people of the kingdom, we're going to grow in the world. The bad seed will also grow, but there's going to be a time where there's a division between the good and the bad. His kingdom people and the weeds Those that we'll probably call unbelievers and refer to them like that, they'll encounter, they will encounter the fire of judgment, and we will be shining like the sun in the kingdom of the Father. This parable tells me that uh, the parable tells me that God has a plan and a purpose. Now, we just see a broad brushstroke. But it's great to know, isn't it, that God, who is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, he's got a plan. He knows what is going to take place, and he knows now what's taking place in your life and my life. That provides me with an anchor, and especially in uncertain times. I know who holds the future. I know who holds the present. Whatever's taking place, he is Lord and King, and I am Part of his kingdom. He has plan A and has no plan B. You know, we sometimes in our lives we make out plan B's, don't we? Just in case it doesn't work out. You go, you what university do you plan to go to? And they say, Well, what's your backup? What's your backup plan? I've got this extra little account, maybe, where I've got a backup plan just in case it doesn't work out. Well, God doesn't need a backup plan, He's not gonna make a mistake. The end result will never be in question with God because he reigns and rules over all. For what God says will happen, will happen. And I say that again. What God says will happen, will happen. Now, this is true in this big macro plan of redemption, but it's true for the plan and the purpose of God that he has for your and my life. We can firmly stand on the truth of God and the promises of God we read in Jeremiah, and it's this scripture, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans, what? To prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. If things are uncertain at this moment in time for you, in any way, shape or form, we can look to the one who says, I've got plans for you. Don't think that this is a cul-de-sac in life. I've got plans for you, says the Lord your God. Paul writes in Ephesians 2 and verse 10. It's a verse we're familiar with in recent weeks. And it's this verse, for we are God's workmanship. We are his workmanship. You're not an also ran You don't go to a seconds. When Sue and I go to some of these pottery pots, the first place we go to is the seconds because it's a bit cheaper. But there's some little defects. We are new creations. The old has passed away. The new has come. You are, you are thought precious and beautiful by God. Don't listen to a lie that says anything that contradicts that. You are his workmanship. And here's the thing, you're created in Christ Jesus. That means that that I'm a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. And here's the beautiful thing, we're created for what? Good works. You and I for good works, which God's prepared beforehand. You see, that's linking back to he has a plan for you and for me. And here's the last little bit of that verse. And the reason he's planned them is that we should walk in them. Thad, he's got plans for you. Great stuff for you to do. An exciting adventure and journey of faith. That's what that verse tells you, if you believe it. These two verses show us today that God has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. He's got this big plan of redemption, judgment, humanity, all of that. But he's also got a plan for our own individual lives. Arna came a few weeks ago and he encouraged us, didn't he, to have This double M meeting, if you didn't hear it, go online, find it, the double the morning meeting, it it radically changed my view of having a quiet time in the morning. Have a morning meeting, a double M time with God where we could talk to him about the day, listen to him, so that we could hear his voice and maybe understand some of the things that we are going to face during the day. Have a little bit of an insight into what's going on. Each day, we can live with an expectation that God has a plan and a purpose for you and some stuff to do, not just same old, same old. That's what's happened during lockdown. For many of us, it's just been same old, same old, on the treadmill, just trying to get through. But God says no, there's something different. And yet, even in these days, we have tough times, don't we? There are challenges, there's heartaches, there's losses. David's beautiful Gwen, gone to be with Jesus. Steve, gone to be with Jesus. There's losses and there's even worse because there is tribulation which Jesus gives us a heads up about. But even in those times, Jesus says, there's be, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. There's strength, the joy of the Lord is your strength. You can get through this. There is a hope, there is a future, there is a plan. My hand is upon you. Oh, that's good news. When I get up in the morning and I walk out the house, I've got a sign that I've shown you many months ago, and and it says, expect a miracle. And every day, every day, I pass it and look, and it raises my level of expectation that God could use me, and he does, and he will. You can have the same. You might not have the sign, but God has a plan for your life. And even in the tough times, this is the true thing that Paul says and that we should be aware of. He's got a conviction that says, I am sure of this. That's with 100% conviction. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God's at work with you, and he's not going to leave you half-baked. Over the weekend, I was doing some sourdough baking. I got well into this late in the day, mainly because Ali Rothwell stole all the flour in all the shops, I think, and was feeding the church. But eventually I got into it. And uh, if you've seen me 24 hours before on Thursday and Friday, there was sticky dough on my fingers. I was, I was trying to scrape it off into the bowl. There was flour everywhere. But I didn't fret about it because there's a process. And that process, you're allowed to applaud. That process resulted in this beauty. Yeah, yeah, no. Let me, can I just tell you, it's a better clap than that. Why do you think this was off already? I just, one slice, another slice. It was great. There was a process, and at the end of that process, there was a prize. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Where you're in pain, where there is challenge, you will come through. Just persevere, hold on, hold tight. God is with you, God's for you, is a plan, and it will outwork. Oh, hallelujah. Ta da! might not be a loaf of bread, but it'll be something. If you were very lucky, it could be one of Ali Rathwell's almond, beautiful Bakewell tarts. If you haven't had one, you need to put in a request, let me tell you. We need to remind ourselves that God is always working out his plan. He's not thwarted by bad circumstances or trouble. We, the people of the kingdom, will come through it and ultimately will shine like the sun. In actual fact, it doesn't have to be ultimately, and I'll say a few things about that prior to us closing. We do need to be those that we agree on this first thing, to stand on the truth. Stand on the truth that God, you can depend on him. And in the process, in that journey, in this gap between what we may be here and what we see, we need to do something which we all know this scripture. Trust in the Lord with all, I'll say, our hearts. Lean not on all your hearts. Don't live life with a no entry to God, where there's a private part, where this isn't for you. All your heart, give to him. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. Lean not on your own understanding, but lean into him, in particular in those times of challenge. And in all your ways, in what kind of ways? Oh No, Sorry. Yeah, they need to hear online. All, all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. You're thinking about what the future holds, what the next chapter, the next season of life is? Well, just give it to the Lord. He will direct your steps because he's true to his word, isn't he? God's plan will prevail for all those who trust in him. What we have to do in this process is this. We need to be those who line up our lives with his word, Don't sacrifice when God is clear in his word about something for anything less than his word. The whole boyfriend-girlfriend thing. Don't sacrifice thinking you're going to be left on the shelf. No, believe for a believer. Line your life up with his word. Line your life up with his will. And line your life up with his way. Your kingdom come, your will be done. I pray, whoop, I pray that in my life. Sorry, everybody listening somewhere. Our sound person who's just had to pull the headphones off. Let's return to the parable today. We can't ignore the fact that this, this story tells us of an enemy, the devil. It tells us of weeds that he's planted and that will receive punishment for their own belief. In the parable, it talks of a blazing furnace. There'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's a, there's a punishment. Some might say this. It's a consequence for those who've not received Jesus as their forgiver, their Lord and their saviour. These are the ones that in our parable, it's described as bad seed, the wicked who do evil. And they will ultimately suffer as a result of their choices on the final day of harvest, that time when Jesus comes back. Time doesn't allow us to unpack all this stuff about hell, but for some in the Christian church, They just can't believe that a loving God could ever send somebody to experience pain and punishment because after all, God is love, isn't he? He would never do something that was so unkind. And to cope with this, a doctrine called universalism came around. Now, primarily it was in the 18th century, but it was there before and it's quite strong today. It stated this, and they believe that all people ultimately, whatever the process, will ultimately be saved. Everybody will be in heaven because God could never do the unthinkable, and assign people into a place called hell. We don't believe that teaching. We find it violates principles in Scripture. It certainly violates people's free will and choices. And it's just directly wrong against so many Scriptures. If you hear about it, let me just give you this piece of advice. Take the plumb line of God's Word and measure up what it says and what they say. I think you'll come to the right conclusion. We believe that there will be a consequence. In this church, there's a consequence to the choices that you make in life. And the good news is that we have the free will to make good choices. God says in the Old Testament to his people, doesn't he? I set before you life and death, and then he tells them the choice to make. Choose life. You'll find as well that in the Christian community, there are two views primarily about help. There are some people that do believe that hell will be a place, and it seems to be implied in this story, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, there's some pain, there's some discomfort. It's a people who are living with an awareness of eternity separated from God and from his presence. And then there are others that are called annihilationists, they believe this, that the tares or the bad seed that we read about in our story will, when they die be on the day of judgment, be utterly destroyed. There'll be no feeling or consciousness of pain or of, of, of loss, but there will be utter destruction. Now, some of us, even in the room or listening online, you can believe, and you may well believe one or the other. But, and there's merit in both. But whatever you think and whatever hell looks like, it certainly involves this. It involves the knowledge that Jesus was and is Lord and it involves eternal separation from God and all of the amazing promises that you can appropriate through having faith in Jesus Christ. We believe that there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And if your personal theology, if your beliefs don't match up to that, then maybe you need to revisit those in the light of what the scripture says. It's probably true in the UK that we hear too few sermons about hell and in America, too many. The turn or burn evangelists. I I don't really sit there myself personally. But the fact that there is a hell should move us with compassion and, and just a desire to share the love and the life of Jesus with our family, our neighbors, our acquaintances, our friends. Not with a turn and burn message. I don't believe that. Jesus, you know, he knew, he believed, he warned about hell. But he didn't browbeat people. He was the one who came and said, I have come that you might have life, life eternal, life abundantly. That's in John 10.10. He let people know that he loved them and accepted them, whether it was the woman at the well or somebody found in adultery. That forgiveness could be found and new life could be found in him. Even the thief on the cross in his nearly last breath was able to respond to Jesus as Lord and Savior and encounter forgiveness and new life. And today, somebody may well be listening. I think we're all believers on Jesus in this room and you might well be listening and you may wonder, is there forgiveness for you? Yes, there is. Is there a life that could be filled with peace? Yes, there is. Is there a life where you can encounter Uh, more purpose and a dynamism and forgiveness yes there is and you can encounter that right here right now today you can start the incredible journey of faith it's not as Jeff clearly said last week just a ticket to heaven put your hand up in a meeting and move away it's not that but it's responding to Jesus as Lord and Savior and King some of us have made that decision, but we've drifted away from him being Lord and Savior and King. And maybe today you need to make a response to come back. Paul wrote in Romans 10:9, didn't he? The famous scripture that if you believe it, I think we've probably got it. Don't really hate me there. Okay. Paul wrote in Romans 10:9: If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Your new life starts as you talk with God. If you've been away from God, you in this moment in time can come back to him. Every prayer made in faith towards God, he hears. And maybe you'd say this kind of words, Father, I come to you. I'm sorry for leading my life my way. Please, would you come into my life? Be my forgiver, be my Lord, be my King. Thank you that you died and rose again. You did it for me and I ask that I might have your forgiveness and your new life. I ask that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit right here, right now. That was about as long as the prayer that I made to God who said, God, if you're there, I want you in my life. I'm desperate. A whole new life began at that point. Now, if you make that prayer, If you want to come back, get in touch with us. We'll help you get baptized. We'll we'll help you find a church family because it's the beginning of an adventure that you weren't designed to be on your own. So my first point in the parable was this. God reigns and rules. He has a plan. It's plan A, and we are part of it. My second thought is this, that there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And we need to be aware of that when we're living our life so that we can share the life of Jesus with the people around us. And I do want to close by sharing about that final phrase that we read in the parable, that we are to be those who are destined to shine like the sun in the kingdom of our Father. We are the people of the kingdom. Our parable in Matthew tells us that we're the good seed, the people of the kingdom. That, that means that we are those who are to demonstrate in these days his rule to wherever we are, whether that's at Edge Hill, it's in the workplace, it's in a Zoom meeting. Somehow, we are those by our, our words, our actions, our eyes, the lamp of the soul. We can be those who infiltrate our environment with God's rule. We're destined to shine like the sun, but the good news is this, we don't have to wait until harvest day until that happens. Matthew 5 and verse 16. I love it because it's, it's a kid's chorus for me. This is what God designed for you and me. It's let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Our lives are designed to make an impact for God, to impact the world. We know that we've mentioned Ephesians 2.10 that says there are good deeds for us to do. We need to make sure we do them. In the Old Testament, we find in Isaiah 60, in verse 1 to 3, these wonderful words that as well remind us that we're to be those who do what? Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. You and I need to brush off the dust of, of all that's taken place this year and say, I'm going to arise. I'm going to you know what you do? When you first arise, then you shine, and then what do you read? It's nearly like you and I need to arise and shine and the glory of the Lord will rise upon you. In that passage in Isaiah, it also says this, that there's darkness around. The words say, darkness covers the earth, thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord will rise upon who? Upon you. And his glory will appear over you. And nations will come to your light. The fact of the matter is, is that we can be those people in these days who stand up, arise. We can start shining. Let our light shine before men, that they'll see our good deeds. Shining with the love and the life of Jesus in these days. We are destined to shine, but we need to do something. We need to arise. We can be a people of light because Jesus, who is the light of the world, spoke to the people and said, you are the light of the world. Sophie, you're the light of the world. Adrian and Lynn, you're the light of the world. Let your light shine. We're not to be uh, hiding our light. We're to be that city on a hill. We're to those, we're those who should be a beacon of hope to all those around, pointing them to Jesus, the light of the world, and his wonderful life that they can experience. You know, if we're going to shine brightly, there's no way that we can do it in our own strength. It's not by might, not by power but by his spirit. We've got to ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill us afresh. And that's just how we're going to close. We're going to close today asking spirit of the living God to fall afresh on us, that we might be those, the people of the kingdom who shine like the sun. Are you up for that? Up for making an impact? Let's stand together, shall we? If we could stand, we're gonna say, Ali, would you come and Josh and just grab your microphone? We're just gonna, it's that simple, it's an old chorus, but expresses a heart. It's to say, we want to shine, Spirit of the Living God, will you fall afresh on us? This is your moment to respond. If you're away from God, if you if you know. Some people have called you a prodigal. It just means you're not as close to Jesus today as you were on a previous day. Take a step back. Come to him. He races to you. If you're starting that journey of faith, start it with the power and the life of the Holy Spirit by asking him to come and Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. And for those of us who are running our race, doing the best, giving it our all, Let's make sure just right now that we just say Spirit of the Living God fall afresh on me. Play. 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 You're happy to play. Play a C. Play me a C. I'm just going to ask him to play a C. Just play anything. Any chord. Not any chord. You okay? Just in case you don't know it. Oh, it's the old. It's the old Spirit of the Living God. Toby, just for you it's not that spirit opportunities that you're going to give us in this next week to share your love and life with those around us. We want to see many come into your glorious kingdom, to know you and your amazing, wonderful, abundant life. Oh God, use us, we pray. Amen.